Welcome to the Creating Your Beautiful Life podcast. I'm your host, Shelby Hansen. I'm an invisible illness warrior, kidney transplant recipient, mom to four, and life coach for people who have gone through incredible health challenges. On this podcast, I teach you how to move forward from difficulty and disappointment into joy and abundance as you take charge of creating your own beautiful life. All right, welcome to today's show. I can't believe we're on episode, I think, 44. I started this podcast last year around this time. I think it was in August last year. And I am just so happy that I get to share these principles with you that I have learned over the years. So today's episode is going to be especially about how to generate self-compassion. And if you are watching on the YouTube channel, you can already see I have a board behind me that has a little sneak peek of what we're going to be talking about today. And if you're on the podcast, just go ahead and listen and you can go back and look, or I will leave these notes in the show notes. So Part of the topic for today is about how we feel about our bodies. So if you're listening to the podcast, you most likely have some sort of a diagnosis or have had health challenges. And I wanted to talk about what happens when we think about how we feel about our bodies. And I, I've got this great five-minute journal, and today it came up with this quote that I was like, I'm going to share that on the podcast. And this is from Tara Brock. It says, attention is the most basic form of love. By paying attention, we let ourselves be touched by life and our hearts naturally become more open and engaged. And I just love that it says attention is the most basic form of love. Now we do pay attention to our bodies, but as somebody with chronic illness, you probably have found yourself wanting to disconnect from your body because there's been physical pain, there's been emotional pain attached with issues with your body. And before, like leaving the chronic illness piece away from it, even if you don't have a chronic illness, most people, when most women especially, when they go to look in the mirror, if you were to look at yourself in the mirror, clothed or unclothed, most women will tell me, that some of the first things that they think about when they see their body is, ooh, (laughs) that's disgusting. I'm gross. That's gross. Whether they're talking about their thighs or their stomach or any part of their body, that's usually the first thing that just pops up. And the reason I tell you that is because if that happens to you, it's normal. If it doesn't happen to you, probably have done some work about loving your body as it is. But as you think about what happens in the perspective of the self-coaching model that I love to teach about, when you are believing that something about your body or your body in general is gross, you feel disgusted. And from that place of disgust, you want to get away from looking at the mirror, not paying attention to what your body looks like. Like you might not even want to see yourself like if you're out and you see like those windows when you're shopping and you see a reflection in the in the window, you probably don't want to look at yourself because you believe your body kind of looks gross. And in that, you're also, like I said, distancing yourself from yourself. And you continue to be unhappy with the way that you look. 
and you continue to be grossed out by yourself. It's so fascinating because this happens to so many women and we don't even take a look at it. We don't pay attention to what you are saying about your body to yourself. And so that's why I wanted to share that quote because maybe this podcast is going to help to spark your attention in a more loving direction towards your body. So that first example was just talking about your body in general, but if you have a diagnosis or you've gone through a serious health challenge, you have this added layer that my body isn't working like she should be. If you're not watching, I have air quotes. And I know this because I had that. I was 31 years old when I was diagnosed with kidney failure. I had less than 20% function and qualified to be on the kidney transplant list when I was 31 and had three little kids. My oldest was, I think, seven at the time. And when I say, like, my body doesn't, your body doesn't function like it should, like, what does that even mean? Because even if you don't have a diagnosis, most people that I talk to, they've got something going on with their body that they don't like what's happening with it. It's just fascinating what our minds choose to focus on, to choosing to focus on that lack and the things that are going wrong. And of course we do that. There's another concept that I love to teach about. That's the motivational triad. And this is your brain's mechanism to keep you safe. Your brain doesn't want you to feel pain. It doesn't want you to use too much energy. It wants you to conserve your energy. And your brain wants you to seek pleasure. So your brain is always looking for danger, always looking for a problem to solve. And at the most basic level, your brain, that's part of your body, is like, I have a problem to solve. It's your body. There's something wrong with your body. And when you operate out of that belief that there's something wrong with my body, there's some like there's more things that are happening and I don't like how it's happening. You continue to focus on that and that's what you begin to see more and more of. And I know this because this is what I did. I mean, how it's completely normal if you're a 31-year-old and you have kidney disease to be like there's something wrong with my body. The problem with that is that when I was believing that there's something wrong with my body, I felt scared. And I never took the best actions for myself out of fear. And I felt like I wanted to crawl out of my skin. I didn't like how I felt. I didn't like how I felt in my body because of what I was believing and also the physical symptoms that were happening from the kidney failure and the toxins building up in my system that my kidneys were not filtering properly. So there were things physically happening. It is real. If you have physical pain, it is real. If you have physical symptoms, they are real. However, bringing more fear to the things that are real only amplifies them. So what's the solution? Well, I have, oh, this <laughs> I just pointed with the, with the wrong hand. So with this hand, I'm pointing to this uh, poster that I have up here about things that I told myself after I got my diagnosis and after I found life coaching because I was diagnosed in 2015, but I didn't find life coaching until 2017. And I am very strong in my faith. I have a very strong conviction in my faith-based practice. 
And that really got me through some of the most challenging and difficult times for those first two years. And then learning about my brain and integrating that faith-based learning and knowledge and foundation that I had really helped me to heal. Okay, so I'm going to share with you, let's see, okay, just looking at my notes really quick. Okay, going back to this, before I, before I share some of these thoughts, um, if you're somebody that believes that something's gone wrong with your body, um, you might be thinking about that, especially when you want your body to do something. And I experienced this this past week. I went to a great um, conference this weekend. I went to Time Out for Women. Um, shout out, saw my my coach, Jody Morris. So that was incredible. And I get to spend the rest of this week with her. I'm going there um, in Calif- to California this week to really mastermind some of my business practices and to bring you guys some really incredible stuff that's going to be coming up. But side note, I went to this conference called Time Out for Women, and I just really thoroughly enjoyed my time spending some um, quality time with people that were it, that I go to church with, and um, I got back pretty late. Well, I mean, relatively late that Saturday night, and I it had been just kind of one thing after another the whole week. I know you guys have these weeks, and I realized on Saturday night, oh, I have. <laughs> I've got to teach the lesson on Sunday. And I thought that, um, I forgot that I had delegated to somebody and it hadn't worked out how I thought it was going to. So I was on the hook to teach the lesson. And I also was starting to feel like I was coming down with something. My son had an ear infection earlier this week and I was starting to feel some drainage and some, um, some things going on with my body. And I was really tired from being gone to another um, city, sleeping somewhere different, And I had this opportunity on that Sunday and that Saturday night to be like, oh, let me talk bad about my body, how she's not there for me, how she's just going to get sick and I'm not going to be able to do these things. And this always happens to me and I can never rely on my body. That's the natural tendency that I go to. What I did though, and I'm going to show you with these thoughts that I have on the board behind me. What I did to change this was that I have built a relationship with my body where I consult her, where I talk to her, where I have literally changed the words that I say to my body and I've changed the relationship that I've had with her. So before this, before diagnosis, especially I was a always on 24 hours, always go, go, go. Super hyper-independent, overachiever, perfectionist, you name it, that's me. And so knowing that I had a responsibility to teach a lesson and it's the night before, for me to tell somebody else, hey, can you teach the lesson? That's like the last thing that I want to do. I don't want to put that pressure on somebody else. That is the old me. The new me talks to myself and consults myself. And so I, in that moment, gave myself the out to text somebody and say, hey, I'm not feeling that great tonight. I don't know how I'm going to feel in the morning. Just so you know, I might not be there to teach, but I'm going to try to be there. And that was how I was taking care of my body in that moment. I was taking care of my needs first. Like I talked about in the podcast episode last week, it's so important 
to let your body know that she is a priority. Like if you're not feeling well, it's a priority and it's safe to take care of you first. But I also consult my body and say, do you want to do this? You don't have to. And as the next day came up, I still wasn't feeling that great, but I was feeling better. And I talked to myself. I, I, I changed this conversation about, do you want to go? Do you want to teach this? Do you want to do this? Because before, it's so easy to do things out of guilt and obligation and responsibility. And those things can be really good and helpful in some scenarios, in some cases. But when you're always operating out of that, that's what depletes you. That is what steals your energy. And so when I asked myself and consulted myself and said, are you feeling okay? I was like, yeah, I actually am. And I do want to be here for this. And I'm not doing it just because I don't want to put somebody out. I want to be there because that's the kind of person that I want to be. And I'm excited to teach these. I, I teach the youth in my, in my, um, in my congregation. I'm like, I'm excited to teach them and I don't feel sick. So, um, I'm going to tell you, so how to get to this place of having a better conversation with yourself is literally changing the words that you say to yourself, changing the internal dialogue and changing how you feel about yourself. If you go back to that first, that first example that I gave, when you're thinking things about your body and about yourself like, ew, gross, <laughs> you're disgusted with yourself and it doesn't feel very good. If you're saying things to your body like, of course you're going to give out on me. Like you spent this time of the weekend and now you can't fulfill your obligation. Like there's the guilt and there's the resentment and then there's the disappointment. And those are the places where you have power to shift the conversation of how you will speak to yourself and how you won't speak to yourself. Just think about it. If somebody came up to you and started berating you, (laughs) would you have them in your life? Or would you say, excuse me, I need to go step out and then leave the situation. That's what I would do now. Like maybe in the past I wouldn't stand up for myself, but I do now. And that's because I have generated self-love and self-compassion for myself. And I think a lot of these thoughts that I'm going to share with you will help you to reframe the narrative and to insert some self-love, self-compassion, and maybe even just a little stick-to-itness that is pushing, not pushing, but it's, it's putting you into a better place for yourself, not pitting you against yourself. Okay. So I have this other quote that I want to share with you. This is from Louise L. Hay. And she says, remember, you have been criticizing yourself for your entire life for years, and it hasn't worked. Try approving of yourself and see what happens. And that's what I want to share with you today. These are some of the thoughts that I told myself after the diagnosis, after I'd found life coaching, after I saw just how important it was, the way that I was speaking to myself about myself. If you are someone who needs to occasionally have a blood draw to keep track of your health, you might get a little nervous when it gets time to get it done, especially if you've had bad experiences in the past. 
If you feel nervous on the way to your next blood draw, you're going to want to download my free seven-minute meditation on how to not freak out when you're getting a blood draw. I'll link it in the show notes and you can listen to it for free today. So the first one, I'm going to give you these seven powerful thoughts that helped me to change the words that I was saying to myself after my diagnosis. So the first one is right here. You will not destroy me. (laughs) Now, this has a little bit of like that fighting energy. And I think sometimes, especially at the beginning of a diagnosis, it's really easy to be like, this is too overwhelming. I can't do this. This one really helped me to get into the fight of what I was going to do for myself. Like I was not going to let kidney disease destroy me. It felt so empowering for me to believe this. Kidney disease wasn't that powerful to to destroy my spirit, to destroy who I was at the core. And because of that empowering stance, I was able to do some things that that really helped me. Um, I had some doctors that were not quite so helpful at the beginning of my journey. I had some that were honestly pretty terrible and I had to stand up for myself. I had to be in that empowered stance to quote unquote fire those doctors and go find the ones that were going to work for me. And I did. I found some incredible doctors that supported me through a lot of things and helped me to get the best care that I needed. But I needed to know that kidney disease was not going to destroy me. So your diagnosis, whatever it is, it does not have the power to destroy you. It never did. And it never will. Okay. The second one, and this one I hope will help you to develop more of that self-love and self-compassion. And that thought is, I love me anyway. Now, this is a thought that I kind of tag on to a lot more of maybe the automatic default negative self-talk. I sometimes will have this like, oh, the house is the house is a disaster. The kids are all over the place. Um I, I missed something like I missed an appointment or whatever, um, where I have the chance right after that to say more negative things about myself and how I changed it was I'd say house is a disaster and I love me anyway. The kids are screaming and hungry and don't want to listen. And I love me anyway. They don't have to love me. I love me. That's my job. And I have kidney disease. This is hard. I am getting a kidney transplant. I am doing things that I never thought that I would with my body. And I love me anyway. And I love me for doing this for me. So that's one that I really defaulted to a lot at the beginning. And I defaulted to it now as well. So it's like, oh, maybe I'm going to get sick. Maybe I'm not going to have the energy to do um, what I wanted to. And I love me anyway. Like I just give myself permission to love me regardless. There's no, um, there's no requirements to it. It just is. The love for me exists at all times. Sometimes I have easier access to it. And sometimes I don't. But I feel like believing I love me regardless. I love me anyway 
gives me almost immediate access to that love and that compassion that I have for myself. Okay, number three. Now, this one happened around COVID times that I really, I was having a hard time. I was in a community that kind of was over COVID and wanted everybody else to be over COVID. And I wasn't ready quite yet um, because I was immunocompromised. And I, I was really feeling hurt that other people weren't taking as much care of stopping the spread of COVID as I thought that they should. And it really came down to I didn't need those people to understand what I was going through. Now, because I said I was, um, I have a lot of faith, all I needed to do in that moment was for me to understand what I was going through and for me to see how amazing care I was taking care of myself. And so that third thought is I take exceptional care of myself. And anytime I would see somebody that I was like, ah, like I, <laughs> I'm out in public and that person is like actively sick and sneezing and coughing everywhere, I just would remind myself, I take exceptional care of myself. And that could include removing myself from that situation or wearing a mask in that situation. And that brought me such calm and such peace. And it helped me to recognize that everybody else everybody's doing the best that they can with what their personal situations are. And it was my job to take care of me and it put the power back on me. Okay. The fourth one was rest is not a dirty word. Okay. (laughs) I am somebody that wants to go. I want to be on all the time. I want to go have fun. I want to go travel. I want to go do adventure. And so resting felt so disappointing because I never let myself actually rest. When I was so exhausted and I had to lay down and I couldn't move and I had to just um, take a break because (laughs) I would get to the point where I would just cry. Like I would just be walking around crying because I wouldn't let myself rest. And when I would take a rest, I would be beating myself up the whole time. And so I had to rewrite that whole narrative about rest and how it actually was the best thing for me And it was a way to soothe myself and for me to be able to put myself into a healing state. When you're in the parasympathetic state, we're calm and soothed and more enjoying and savoring your life. It actually helps to improve your healing. That's why we call it the rest and digest or the rest and repair state. So rest is not a dirty word. Okay. And the next one goes right along with that and Uh, This thought is, this is how I heal. And I would put this with all of the different things that I was doing, all of the different modalities I was using to heal, especially after my transplant. I would (laughs) read, I didn't want to, I didn't want to get on screens and um, especially at the hospital and just like numb out because my healing was really challenging. I had a really difficult recovery. And so I was like reading every self-help book that I could get my hands on. I was reading The Alchemist, like everything. And as I was doing that, I started to lean into that rest and digest um, parasympathetic state and to remind myself that reading this book, this is how I heal. Eating this nourishing food, this is how I heal. 
drinking this water and staying hydrated. This is how I heal. Going out in nature. This is how I heal. And that thought brought me so much peace and healing because it was taking the the things that I was doing outside and making sure that my brain was knowing that this is how I'm solving this problem that I'm seeing, this problem my brain keeps wanting to bring to me, the problem that I have a, a defective body. And so this is how I heal helped me to heal. Okay, second to last, I get to feel however I want. Whenever you are resisting any emotions, that's when you get yourself in trouble. And I had to learn that all emotions are equal and that it was safe for me to give equal airtime to all of them, especially anger, resentment, sadness, guilt, shame, all of those ones that don't feel so great. Those are the ones that I wanted to feel when things didn't turn out how I thought they were going to. I wanted to feel mad and also sad, which that's a whole nother topic because it felt so vulnerable, but I get to feel however I want to. And however I want to feel is not wrong. It is not bad. There is not one way that is better than another. It's only if I'm allowing those emotions to exist and to run through my body, not holding on to them, not pushing against them, just allowing them. And the last one is this. My body cannot destroy me because she is me. I am my body. And we are all subject to physical death. I don't know when my time to die will be. I've already, I've already decided when it is like, I have rewritten that future. I have written that future because my brain always wants to go to the worst case scenario. And so I'm like, I'm 80 years old. I'm holding hands with my husband with my original transplanted kidney that's lasted for over 50 years. (laughs) Well, maybe not over 45 years. It's lasted for 45 years, has served me well. I hold my hands with my husband, fall asleep, and like, that's how I go. But I had to make peace with being in a physical, mortal body because nobody gets out of here alive. And my body cannot destroy me because she is me. And the pains that I feel are created by my body, by me. And because of that, they can't be bigger than me. Now, believe me, I've been through some terribly painful things, um, including natural childbirth for four times. I am super happy for whatever anybody um, chooses for, for childbirth. But for me, that felt right. And this is actually a thought that came up when I was going through childbirth because I was like, this, these pains, these contractions that are being created in labor, they are created by me. So they can't overtake me. My body can't overtake me. I don't know when my physical body is going to expire, when it's going to give up. But I know that that's part of the plan. That's part of being a human. And right now, I know that that's not part of my plan right now. But when it gets to be that part, even that will not destroy me because I believe that I have a spirit that will live on. My body can't destroy me because she is me. All right. I hope that these have helped you to think about your body even a little bit differently and to shift 
how you speak to your body, the words that you say to your body. And I'll remind you the all of the thoughts really quick, and they'll be in the show notes as well if you're listening on the podcast. The thoughts are, you will not destroy me to my diagnosis. I love me anyway. I take exceptional care of myself. Rest is not a dirty word. This is how I heal. I get to feel however I want, and my body cannot destroy me because she is me. All right. I hope that you guys have a wonderful time. If you are wanting more help on body work and healing and knowing what to do after a diagnosis or a health challenge, I'll put the Calendly link down below, but you can schedule a free session to talk to me and we can get you going on the direction that feels in alignment and the best and healing to you. All right. Have a wonderful day and I will catch you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you're looking for a life coach to work with, what are you waiting for? Let's get coaching together today. I hope you have a wonderful week as you take your power back on creating beauty wherever you go.